Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Will's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, generally recorded at the PW offices in New York City, but we're at various remote re- remote locations uh, in New York City and elsewhere. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Uh, and I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Editor-in-Chief of Comics Beat at comicsbeat.com. You can check us out on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on social media, we're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. Okay, this week on More to Come, new publishing ventures. Dick Grayson? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no. Chuck Windig. Uh this week in streaming and Sim Brock. All right. <laughs> New publishing ventures. Uh, there seem to be more uh, every week. Huh? I know. Well, it doesn't seem we were just commenting as we were prepping for this episode that there wasn't any big news in comics this week. But uh, there's certainly a lot of little news. Yeah, pieces. There sure is. Um, yeah. Just, uh, nobody, people seem to be still want to be in this space. Now, I don't know a lot about Vault Comics, but I think you did an interview for us with them at one point, didn't you? I guess Heidi? they were a guest on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ian Wassel, one of the co-publishers, was on there, yes. yeah. They've launched a new young reader graphic novel imprint. Surprise, surprise. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a comics expert to know that that's, you know, the one of the more booming aspects of this this medium that we love uh middle grade and young adult uh graphic novels so they yeah. launched a new one called myriad right did they have any books signed up for it they have some books that are not signed they're not announcing them until november mm-hmm. so keep watching the space people because yeah. we'll we'll be announcing those uh but um in uh, we have a we have a little story up on publishers weekly uh and my um Communications, and I actually was talking with a with a publicist. Uh, the, you know, they you know they're gonna it's going to be very aimed at a diverse market. That's why the the the, the imprint is called Myriad. Um, it's going to be a, what is it? What does the story say? Established creators and emerging creators, a very broad audience. It's it's a, a book format comics, graphic novels. Uh, there'll probably be some serials in there too. Um, you know, I don't know a lot, once again, I don't know a lot about Vault Comics. I've seen their website and actually they, the, the comics look pretty interesting, but I haven't actually read any. Well, you know, they're one of the very small-ish mm-hmm. new periodical publishers that has launched kind of in the last few years. Um, and, uh, they're really great, nice people. Everybody really likes them. Um, I have heard they have had some issues with, uh, paying people on time. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's yeah, a little I... bit. It's a little tough. It's a yeah, little well, tough in there. But, publishing. you know, I mean, it's good that they're continuing on. They're plucky and they're keeping on. Well, you know, speaking of plucky and keeping on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, also Bill Jemis is back. Yes. Um, this is a, a new, and let's see, it's a call. He, so he's launching a new comics publishing company called Artists, Writers, and Artisans. Yeah. And um, it is, uh, you know, fairly newsworthy. Now, Bill Jemis was the publisher of Marvel back in the day, back in the early 2000s. And then he did uh, Double Take Comics. Was it Double Take Comics? Or take yes, it was two, Double Take Yeah, Double, double take, take Comics yeah. with, um, um, with Take Two Interactive. Right, right, right. Um, and, uh, though it and, was not about their video games. The, the no. comics were not based on those. He had a, 
He had a curious um, comics universe based on uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, but the execution of the comics left something to be desired. Yeah, there was a very unusual marketing. There was a lot of unusual things yeah. about about uh, them. But he burnt, went through a lot of money and actually put out quite a few comics uh, before um, uh, Take-Two pulled the plug on the whole thing. Right. Well, interestingly, he's got a lot of money to burn through for this. Yeah, yes. I mean, reports are that he has $5 million. Yeah. He's raised $5 million in financial capital. Yeah. yeah. And all I can say is a bad business plan can burn through $5 million surprisingly quickly. Absolutely. Well. And, um, <laughs> and you know, he has some people uh, as the partners or uh, the board, uh, Alexander Tosig, who's uh, part of Lightspeed, which is a venture partner company, obviously. And then John Miller, uh, who... It's a guy who's invested in a lot of websites, including Fandom, a.k.a. Wikia. So, um, you know, he's got some pretty high-level partners. And reportedly, he's also been talking to Axel Alonso, uh, the former editor-in-chief oh, of Marvel. Right. Yeah. Jump a spot on board uh, at Marvel. He hired him um, at Marvel. And so, you know, there is, uh, you know, the old crew's getting back. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, the pants I mean, getting jump- back together again. Yeah, right. I mean, Jonas is really a lightning rod for controversy, but uh, I've interviewed him many times uh, over the last few years, and he never, he's always very intrigued by comics, and he always, you know, he wants to be in the game. That's all I have I, to I say. Know, look, the guy's incredibly charming. I wrote a big piece about Double Take, and I published it probably about a month before the whole company went down. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but, and you know what? I can't, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoyed every minute of talking with him. Right. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I didn't enjoy all of the comics, although there was a thread of how he did it that I found very interesting. I mean, basing the whole thing on the Night of the Living Dead, uh, which is kind of weirdly interesting because of the the movie's unusual copyright status right. uh, that allowed them to do that without actually paying or needing, uh, you know, well, it's in the public permission. domain. It's hmm. in the public domain. It's in the it's public in, yeah, domain. It's in the public so a lot domain. of so a lot of people yeah. have that. Uh, yeah, so people used have used it. it. So, uh, uh, but the, the execution of the comics really was problematic at the end of the day. And I think what was it, 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 it the the the, the Comic Con before he went out of business? They gave away ten thousand comics. Well, they wanted to, but as you recall, there might have there was a problem with them because they were deemed too violent or sexual or something, and there was a problem with that. I was when I was researching my own story, I, I found a story that I'd written back in the day, and you know, I guess they did end up giving them away, but they they, they weren't allowed to advertise them at near Comic Con. There was oh, some kind of yeah, because they did, they weren't giving away. Because I, interv- yeah. I I we have a podcast interview with him at the the Double Take uh, booth about right. d- um, uh, giving out these contacts. So right. if you well, look I through think, the archive if you want. Yeah, it. well, even more interesting about Double Take was, uh, or was the lineup of the writers. Is you remember how they they got? Oh yes, they use NPR like um, the moth. From, yes, from they the use moth. the moth storytellers to to come up with dialogue. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the, I give the guy credit. You know, it, he will he'll go to no end to come up with a fresh concept. Well, you know, I'll say this. Bill Jemis is a very original yeah. thinker, yeah, and that's for sure. Yeah, and it doesn't always work out, but you <laughs> know what? I mean, he did another thing where he was translating the Bible from Aramaic himself because he thought he knew Aramaic better than 
anyone. And you know that takes I did a, not know that. That yeah, <laughs> that takes a very special kind of person. Yes, yes. it does. Yes. Well, the dude yes, is definitely. Special. He's quite special. So. <laughs> I mean, right. some of his ideas aren't necessarily bad, except for the extent to which he takes them. Like, I, I feel like if he had done, like, I don't know, a couple of different, had a couple of different graphic novels, each doing a different take on the Walking Dead um, the, universe. Yeah. yeah, you mean the um, um, Night of the Living Dead universe. Night of the Living Dead yeah. universe. Um that could have sold, well, but just the sheer volume. If you had picked the all right once, one, there were one or two of those books that actually were good reads. I'm not saying the, they weren't. I'm just saying yeah. like he flooded the market with something people yeah. didn't even weren't even sure they wanted. And I, I just feel like the sheer amount of like uh, investment kind of well, you know, it was not a good bet. Really, was on that really, scale. Some of those comics were really. Badly illustrated. I mean, I can't even yeah. describe to you how badly they were done. Bad. And I would say the overwhelming majority of them, there were maybe one or two that were even at a professional level. In fact, just before they 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 put some of them, they put them together in in book collections. He was bringing in artists and redrawing vast sections of these books <laughs> because they were so awful. Yeah, I mean, now, it was amazing. to be fair, it doesn't just happen to him. I've read a number of articles about a number of anime coming out right now that um, are uh, being redrawn because they're just so so bad. For example, my sister, my writer, about mm-hmm. uh, a writer artist collaboration between siblings, where the art on the show just looks like unspeakably terrible. Mm. Not good. Not a good yeah. way to do it. Well, either way, you know something, Calvin. We're yes. sure, and Kate, we're we're sure to have plenty to write about and plenty to talk about with Bill Jemis back on the scene. <laughs> yes, all right. Yeah, Thank you, Bill. We we know they have five million dollars. We That's know they right. have Axel Alonso. We don't know anything about what they're going to be doing. Yeah, That's right. More to come. <laughs> more. To come. There you go. Thanks, Bill. You're keeping us in business. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what else is happening? Well, I, I, you know, Random House announced their first uh, title, right? Gina, yeah. after, you know, one of the hugest, biggest stories of the year was Gina and Gagliano yeah, yeah. going over to Random House. Now, and- I have to remind everyone, Gina announced her entire list on our podcast from the New York right. Comic Con and in great detail. I don't remember all of the books, though, but one right. of them, of course, was Lucy Nisley. Right. That's right. Yes. But there uh, are others. I guess she thought it was very secret if she did it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you guys know all the books? Because I haven't seen them. I, I don't have a no, list in front of me. I, I think it was only mentioned on the podcast. Uh, well, you I know what? If we could talk about, about I might be able to find them because I've got an email. Um, I've got an email from their uh, publicity person. Uh, they gave me a list of what they were. Oh, but, there you go. So if I can well, find them. We'll still be doing it on the on the. Didn't PW run anything about it? Then? Uh, we did not. We did not actually. In the kids section, they. You know, that's a good point. I don't think they did. They kind of, sometimes they wait for me to on that, oh. but they may have. I don't know about it. But I'm going to see if I, I'm looking now to see if I can find an email. Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to plug Gina. Uh, I'm going to plug on my site on uh, the beat uh, that Gina and Allison Wilgus have been doing graphic novel TK. Which is there, I tell you, it is a college-level course in graphic novel publishing. They're up to episode 17. Oh, cool, yeah. All right, the latest one just went up last week. 
uh, on cover design uh, with Colleen Venable was a guest. But I mean, every episode is really fantastic. And uh, you it's can a find great podcast. I've listened uh, it, to it. it. It really is. And uh, you can find that uh, at, on on the beat at uh, if you search for graphic novel TK uh, Thomas uh, Kelly. Uh, just TK, uh, that is the, the podcast. But yeah, Gina is a genius. We yes. call her Gina the genius, you yes. know. <laughs> anyway. so, so actually, I found a list. Now, what I, I, I don't, but, but I will direct people to our New York Comic Con 2018 um, uh, a podcast interviews direct from the floor, uh, where, uh, and I think it was on day one that I interviewed um, uh, Gina. And she goes down the list, not only giving you the titles and the authors, but she really goes into some depth about what the books are about and why she acquired them. But I mm-hmm. actually do have the list of about the first, I think it is, four titles that she's acquired. So, young reader, do, uh, Donut Feed the Squirrels by Mika Song. And uh, I don't know much about the artist, but if you find this podcast, she will tell you more about it. She talks a great length about about it. Uh, and this is a young reader. I think this is actually a, a picture book, uh, it may be. But she's also uh, doing a middle grade graphic novel by really the fabulous Lucy Nisley called Stepping Stones. Interesting. Uh, she's got a YA work called The Magic Fish by Trung Lee Nguyen. Uh, Trungles. Huh? Trungles. Isn't he known as Trungle? It may be. I, I, I apologize. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, uh, I can see where that would be a way to say it. Yes. And there's a non-fiction. I think that might just be his, his uh, That's artistic his working, nickname. Yeah, yeah. but I, you know what? Now I'm remembering. So we're all so bad. I, but, no, uh, I apologize to our listeners for But, this. you know, I saw this on Twitter, actually, that, that somebody was talking about how uh, Gina was working with Trungles. So that's what it is. Okay, ha, Trungle. All right. Well, you know, if you find the podcast, really, she talks about all of these books in okay. great depth. Well, you depth. know what? We'll talk about this more after it's in print because obviously we're not audio. Audi- we're not audible in it, but we're I'll not give- audible list learners. But she, there's so. one more book she signed up, and it's a nonfiction work, and it's it's called Schooled on Sex by Erica Moen and and Matt Nolan. Okay. Uh, well, there. Yes. So you know, she okay. signed. The, you know, Gina says stealth. Like uh, Erica Moen previously published at Oni, uh, mm-hmm. so and you know obviously uh, Lucy Nicely has been published at a couple different yeah publishers. Fan of graphics, but mostly by First, first Second, I think. Second. Right? Yeah. So uh, and I'm obviously I'm very interested. In, uh, Lucy Nicely is a fabulous uh, author, but I think the, the Mika Song is really someone that um, uh, Gina's very excited about all publishing also. So uh, believe me. Gina Gagliano is going to have a fabulous first list yeah, because she well, knows what she's doing. Yeah, well, she's, yes, and she's just, you know, she's already signed up. Uh, you know, it is Trung, his name is Trung Lee Nguyen, uh, but he's, he's known quite a bit of Trungles. And uh, although I don't know how you pronounce that, so I apologize. <laughs> I, know, I'm, I apologize, I'm sure because I'm Trungles sure I mangled is how you're supposed it, so. to pronounce Trungles, at least. Yes. Well, that's his, that's his. Skype name. I yeah, mean, that's uh-huh. his, his Twitter handle. And yeah. uh, anyway, but the point is, she doesn't. She's she's doing it. The Gina's she's moving it. forward. That's what she's this is about. It. Yes, she's doing it. Well, uh, Calvin. So you had another little story uh, that Nor. Uh, is it Norton? It's also yeah. Norton um, with yeah. another first second alumnus. Yeah. So Norton uh, W W Norton W Norton is one of the great um, American independent. New York City trade publishers. Uh, when people talk about uh, 
you know, the, the, the big five, they don't usually include, uh, WW Norton, but Norton is a New York City based publisher. It's a, one of the biggest independents that's still left and it's actually, um, employee owned. Uh, it's really an amazing, uh, in some ways, almost old-fashioned publishing house. But they didn't really have a young reader's uh, line. And so they started one, and the guy they hired to start it is named Simon Bowton. And Simon Bowton was a big muckety-muck in children's book publishing at Macmillan, including starting first, second. He is the one who signed Mark Siegel uh, to Brimit and start up uh, the graphic novel imprint. And the rest is history. Right. Uh, That's so, right. So, Bowden left Macmillan uh, yeah, two years ago, something like that. And he was snapped up by Norton because they want to get they want to get into the uh, the uh, uh, middle grade and young adult market, and they clearly want graphic novels. So the first, well, I, I don't know if it's the first, but it's one of his biggest uh, acquisitions. This is a graphic memoir by the great Tommy Smith. Now, those of you who don't know who Tommy Smith is, uh, he is one half of the duo of Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who stood on the podium at the 1968 Mexico Olympics. Um, Tommy Smith won the 200-meter sprint. Um, John Carlos uh, came in, won the bronze, and uh, I believe it was an Australian came in second. And the, those two black men stood there on that podium in black socks with black <laughs> gloves on their fists, and they raised their fists in a black power su- salute uh, in protest of the racist treatment of African Americans. Uh, and it was also part of a movement called the Olympic Human Rights Movement uh, of, act- of, of, uh, of athletes across the board uh, protesting uh, about the treatment of African Americans. So uh, uh, he, he, they were vilified at the time by Avery Brundage and the Olympic Committee. Uh, they were sent home immediately after it and pilloried, and many of them had problems um, uh, making money. But in the black community, because believe me, in 1968, I was like, what was I, 16 years, 17 years old, something like that? I can't, can't add anymore. But you know what? <laughs> I remember seeing that picture and thinking, these two dudes are awesome. And believe you me, they were heroes in the black community and certainly in my black community, and they are heroes today. Their, that, their gesture uh, is a landmark event uh, in the history of, of, of equal rights for African Americans, and it's the, one of the most iconic moments of, in Olympic history. So this graphic novel, he's going to do it with Derek Barnes, who is um, an award-winning black young reader's uh, uh, author. They have not chosen an artist yet or a pub date, so they've got a little ways to go. But I still think that this is an absolutely uh, wonderful first acquisition, and I'm really waiting to see the the rest of the creative team. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everybody's getting into the game. I'm too excited. I, I, I'm a little into, excited about it. <laughs> yes, everybody. This is a hero. This to me, these are travel. this is a yes, hero, well, a great American hero. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I'm with you there. Of course, you know, now if he did it, he'd probably. I don't even want to think about what would happen. 
<laughs> anyway, well, you know, half the country would love it. Half the country probably wouldn't, I guess. That seems the way God. things go these days. But you know what? Oh, but really, I think, uh, and I should want to add, these two men are the inspiration, uh, are one of the inspirations, uh, and there are others, uh, really, for what we see in the NFL today and other athletes who are protesting, um, the, uh, continue to to protest the, the treatment of African-Americans right. in this country. Right. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's and, my, uh, off my soapbox. <laughs> this will be a book for younger readers, right? Yes, so it's going to be a young readers. Uh, they didn't specify heroes. middle grade or young adult. I, I, so we'll, we're going to find out. It's aimed at right. young readers, so we'll see. Well, uh, you know, I, I, that's it. I mean, all these little, like I said, it wasn't a big news week, but there certainly were a lot of, uh, you know, it just keeps on going. There's more. It, there is always more. Um, well, more yes, speaking of, of more to come, but you know what there isn't more of? You know, I guess maybe it was Batman's junk or whatever, but it's just <laughs> like they are banning all dicks at DC Comics <laughs> because uh, it was just announced that Dick Grayson would be dick no more he would he would be, be renamed rick grayson <laughs> yes yes that's, now uh, i find okay. now how is this going to how can this who's going to allow this to happen i mean well, this wait, is the, no, wait so kate i know you're the you're our expert on this but didn't he have head trauma and then like he came to and he was like okay, okay uh, so, so here is here is the incredibly <laughs> overthought see, I, really I don't really stupid. i don't follow it, nightwing so okay, you yes okay. Bring us up to date. Here's here's the incredibly overthought, really stupid, unnecessarily <laughs> complicated story of how Dick became Rick. Okay, let's see. this. Dick Grayson has head trauma. At first, he has no idea at all who he is. Eventually, he sort of knows who he is, but he doesn't have all his memories. And for some reason, hand wave, hand wave, this leads to him calling himself Rick instead. Because, hey, who wants to be called Dick if you're not used <laughs> to being called Dick? <laughs> to which my answer is, that's just dumb. Um, and, I mean, I feel like fans might have even, like, let it slide if they started just calling him Richard Grayson more often. Because that's something people have actually called him in the comics before. Because it's his legal government name. Makes sense. But, like, he has never used the nickname Rick. It just seems like a try-hard kind of, like, <laughs> now, like uh, not convincing thing that really kind of messes with the whole brand recognition thing. Can I ask you a question? Is this a reaction to Batman's Wang? No, no, it's not. It <laughs> no, actually it's predates not. it. No. I just it, had to know. It is is actually kind of a reaction to the fact that Dan DiDio just really is is not that into Dick Grayson as oh. he himself has said. Right, and, and what, to, to throw in here that you know I I've been hearing this for years. It's like Dan DiDio wants to kill Dick Grayson, okay? And that's one of the things he's tried to do it over and over again. Like that was his first idea for the Fifty Two that Dick Grayson would die, but somehow or other it wasn't allowed to ha- be. He wasn't allowed to happen. But he's been trying. I've talked to many many DC insiders. They all tell me that you know this is like a murder story where Dan DiDio wants to kill Dick Grayson. <laughs> And and it was revealed why at New York Comic Con actually in a story that was on the beat once again plug 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 but he said that by having Dick Grayson grow up be older and grown up it makes and change and have a lifetime full of experience it makes Batman seem older and Batman is thirty three so Dick (laughs) Grayson can't be thirty three I mean I'm going to just say as someone who reads comics 
Uh, I have never got the impression that Batman is actually freaking 33. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> his, his, the way he is written, the way he is drawn, the way like literally everyone I have ever read writes Batman, he comes off as like 38 the youngest. I would because say, I would he's agree. Batman. Like, he is Batman. And nobody cares how old Batman is. I mean, they sort of, you have a sort of. You want him to be an notion. adult. And you want him to not be like geriatric, but beyond dark, that, I, I mean, don't in, think anyone in, cares. In Dark Knight, he's like what? He, he's kind of hitting fifty. Yeah, but that's because that's a special thing. But they, yeah, you know, know like when you want like regular yeah. issue Batman, yeah, you want him to yeah. not be geriatric, but you don't really care how old he is. Other than that, other than he's just sort of Batman age, you know? <laughs> yeah, which is like, he's, of course, he's his supposed own thing. to be more experienced than the younger heroes. <laughs> and 38 is just not quite old enough for that to really right. be Batman as, so as, as we Dick, know him. As Dick Grayson matures and becomes a man, not a lad in tights, <laughs> named after a robin, which means his power is to rise early and eat worms. Um, uh, then, which is one thing I never got. Why is Robin Robin? Why is he? I can Robin? explain. I know the answer. You know that because I don't. I admit I don't I, know that. Well, I, I know the in-universe answer, and I can guess at what the out-of-universe answer is. The uh, out-of-universe answer, the like just plain old like human beings writing a story version, is just like, hey, a bat is an animal that flies. What else is an animal that flies? <laughs> but the Robin? in-universe version <laughs> is that, um, and this is part of why Dick Grayson took it so badly when the name Robin got given to somebody else, is that it was uh, his mother's nickname for him for the fact that he could, like, fly through the air on the flying oh, trapeze. Because right, he was, an, he was so a trapeze artist. That's right. Because what people he's a trapeze artist. So therefore, fly, the when, he, when he wanted to come up with a superhero alias, he picked his pre-existing nickname. Uh, and you know, so therefore, he got mad when, like, something that he thought was just, like, his name got given to somebody else. Now, I the end. Know. I want to throw in here, like, uh, you know, it's so many times when you're saying, wow, did you see that? It was flying like a, like a robin. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, my God, that thing. It was like a robin flying out. I mean, nobody ever says because that. It's so intimidating. Was and, a cute little and it's such kid. an intimidating bird, too, of course. No, Boy, look at he, look the way he's pecking at that little I piece of seed. I want to tell you something. Because so, because Robin originally was a cute little kid superhero, so he was named after a cute little bird. Okay. okay. Well, right. if you if you read the extremely uh, uh, you know rural northeastern centric literature, children's literature of the early part of the twentieth century, actually, Kate, you are correct. The Robin was very familiar in kids literature. There was, you know, That's true. and then I'm, I'm just have to say, when the red, red Robin comes, bob, 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 with a song. You set yourself up, up for like wake a up, <laughs> you sleepy head, get up. Anyway, I'm just saying, anyway, I'm not I, when that. I was younger, I actually no, used to like the Peterson's Bird Guide, it. yeah, which I love those drawings <laughs> in it. Anyway, let's get back on topic here. So anyway, I my personal take as someone who actually enjoys superhero comics and who knows many, many, many superhero comic fans, this will be greeted with eye rolls and people putting their pillows over their heads and going, this is so dumb. 
Well, um, believe me, and, I'm and, like a nominal superhero reader, and that's what I'm rolling my eyes and really. Yeah, well, I mean Dick Grayson is not understand how Dick brand Grayson name and Bruce works. Wayne. I mean, th- these are you don't change this. It's there. It's been his name for like literally eighty years. It's ridiculous. You, it's just too late now. It's too late now. I'm sorry, but if they really couldn't handle the name Dick, they could at least call him Richard, which was yeah. his name all along, and he occasionally was called. So just but he's never a, in eighty years been called Rick. Another opportunity to make fun of DC Comics. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just made himself look dumb. So this, you know, what this reminds me of? This reminds me of. I mean, I read them after the fact, but all those like terrible extreme with no e at the front 90s comics where they're like oh <laughs> these characters aren't edgy enough let's like add more pouches to their legs and weird places and spikes <laughs> and stuff that okay. like i'm telling you it, this people will be laughing about this for a, a long time a uh, long time all right here we go okay what's next on the list well, I mean, from the ridiculous to the more ridiculous, <laughs> the I more guess. Ridiculous. There's um, no there sublime a, in this broadcast, Yeah, well, folks. there was, there was a, little, <laughs> a little kerfuffle like uh, 10 days ago, which, uh, by the way, kerfuffles barely last 10 hours anymore. <laughs> yes, you know, it's true. Because there's this a new, a, out, you right. know, horror story every num- five minutes. Another one about, coming. Yeah, but uh, just, you know, our government is such a horror show that, right. you know, okay, let's not go there. Come on. I'm not, back to comics. You know, they're tempting. But it's something that legalized discrimination. So, you know, enough said there. But, you know, unfortunately, it is kind of part of the whole thing. Yeah. Chuck Wendig is a very well-known science fiction author. Uh, he's written a lot of Star Wars books, uh, and they've been very well-received. And in one of them, he introduced a canonically gay Star Wars character and got a lot of pushback. But, you know, he stood by it, and Lucasfilm stood by it as well. And then he Good. was hired to write Star Wars comics yeah. for Marvel. And he made... These books were best selling. I mean, they every single one of his Star Wars Aftermath books was in the New York Times bestseller right. fiction top ten hardcover. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Like and oh, go on, Kate. Sorry. Super. Like most of them were in the top five. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you know, he's been writing comics for a while as well. I mean, he's written comics for Dynamite. He's written for several different publishers. So, uh, unfortunately. You know, that wasn't enough. There must be all this other level. And uh, he's also known as speaking, quite frankly and bluntly, on Twitter. And a lot of, as we know, there have there is a lot of pushback from a very vocal, some might say, uh, narrow-minded segment of Star Wars fans. And they have been giving him a lot of pushback. And, uh, you know, then there's those Comicsgates idiots that we've been talking about for quite a while. Uh, yeah. And so Wendig was mixing it up with them, and he said a lot of things that were, you know, pretty nasty. I mean, to be fair, whenever you use, uh, uh, mention a prolapsed body part as an insult, that's pretty rough, you know? But, I mean, this is him. This, he's, this is nothing new. I mean, he's always yeah. been very mm. bold and fierce and, and, um, uh, you know, defending his views. But uh, anyway, so like uh, just a couple And of some ago. of the people he was going after were, in fact, largely most of the people he was going after were people who he perceived as prejudice types going after other yeah. comics fans. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, which is which is what has kind of baffled me a little bit about this um, development that they, he's taken off of this book because he's defending well, this is what I was going to get to. You know, there, 
Well, he, he got a phone call from his editor at Marvel on a Friday afternoon and uh, was told, uh, you know what, you're too divisive on social media and uh, your book isn't coming out, which they had only announced again just like recently, you know. So this is the second one after Chelsea Kane that they uh, Marvel has announced is not coming out. And, um, you know, luckily they for Marvel, they did in the Friday Newswell drop. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this was huge for about five minutes and Wendig wrote all about it on his blog and uh, you know this seemed like you know honestly more people have lost their jobs in comics because of uh, pushback from let's say right wing sources than from left wing sources yeah, yeah. Uh, you know Aubrey Citizen got kind of uh, buffaloed by uh, on the G.I. Joe books uh, you know James Gunn of course uh, taken yeah. off um, Guardians of the Galaxy although now he's reemerged in Suicide Squad so that's a win for Warner Brothers but, um, you know, and, and there's, uh, anyway, the, 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 this did reignite, however, uh, talk about uh, social media guidelines for freelancers. And, um, you know, I'm told that, that memos go out constantly to both Marvel and DC, warning them, you know, you must be careful on social media. And, uh, you know, some people get away with it, and some people get burned. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of, I, I this could be well, this could be cynical of me, but I, I really feel like the people who tend to get their careers over are the people who get political, and the uh, people who um, get like personal at, at fans and you know deeply offensive to other human beings, but not political. Right. They can get away with it. Yeah. Well, it's just more part of the, you know, it's a tough time. It's like you want to create your brand, but uh, watch out who you brand with it. <laughs> so, yeah. Unfortunately, there will undoubtedly be more to come yeah, on that yeah, topic. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, yes. The Week in Streaming. Yeah. So, uh, well, okay. So there's so many comic shows. Uh, New York Comic Con. There were so many comic shows Boy, that are coming that's up. that's for sure. <clears throat> you know, uh, on Hulu, on Netflix, on Amazon, on new platforms just, you know, coming on DC Universe, on all of this. Uh, anyway, but two of the first are no more. Yeah. Uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage have been canceled by Netflix, uh, both after two seasons. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the uh, ongoing Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil's a third season. And I saw a lot of different reasons given for this. Now, both the accounts of the Twitter accounts of Luke Cage and Iron Fist did a kind of, you know, we will survive or, you know. Yeah. Uh, I will survive a sort of um, post. So leading some to speculate that they might be replaced by a joint uh, Heroes for Hire show. Because, right. of and, course, yeah. in the comics, I, uh, you know, Power Man and I. Because that's what happens, yeah. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some, but, you know, then Deadline said that our Power Man was uh, canceled because, oh, or excuse me, Luke Cage was uh, canceled because of the creative differences. And then other people were saying Disney's got to cancel them all and put them on their new yeah. streaming service, mm-hmm. which is yet to come. And then other people were saying, but Disney doesn't want to have kind of more than PG-rated uh, content on this streaming service. And then yet more said that Disney would have an adult streaming service as well. So um, anyway, well, you know, is anybody still watching these Netflix shows? These uh, Netflix well, I, shows? I, yeah, I mean, I... 
I was look. I was really into Luke Cage, but I, I you know, but, but I you know, I can't keep up. That's just. I me. watched I'm an old one man. episode of Jessica Jones from the most recent season because it was filmed on my block. <laughs> right. Well, I should say that uh, Jody Calkin, friend of the show, and uh, you know, composer of our theme song. She and your listen, wife. Yeah, my wife. <laughs> she will. Yeah. She looks at. She watches this stuff religiously. She's a binger, and uh, she's seen it all. She loved Jessica Jones. <laughs> She, she, I, I, she. I think she sort of like. She, um, I didn't like Iron Fist too much, uh, or more or less. No one actually, the actor that that they got to do it. But I actually Not was kind of curious casting. to see what they would do with Heroes for Hire. But I, I, I haven't really, um, you know, I have, I, 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 I fell behind on Luke Cage. Well, you know, really, I'll tell I liked you, Luke Cage. What I saw of it, I really. I, liked I had a similar situation to Kate in that I watched Daredevil. I was very excited when it first started. Watched Daredevil yeah. and I, and maybe the very first scene or the maybe within the first five minutes for sure it was filmed on my block. So oh. that was exciting. But um then uh you know it was okay but you know what it was thirteen episodes long and it had probably I to be charitable I would say ten episodes. But really I think more like eight episodes worth of story. Because it was just stretched so thin. Then I watched Jessica Jones. I thought that was good. But same thing. Could have easily been 10 episodes. There were mm-hmm. some episodes that were filler. And then came uh, Luke Cage. And I'll be honest with you guys. I started to watch it. And I fell asleep after about 10 <laughs> minutes. Which I do frequently. I frequently fall asleep watching TV. That's because you work hard. I do work hard. I keep strange hours, and it just bores me. Honestly, it really does bore me. So unless it's like baseball, I don't fall asleep during baseball for some Man, reason. I love Luke uh. Cage, and I don't watch a you know I don't watch a lot of serial TV. I just right. don't. but I well, like Luke Cage. I, I, I thought it was awesome. I would revisit it because I did hear a lot of good things about it, and um, and awesome. then Iron Fist gave a hard pass. Daredevil season two, same thing. I have a hard pass. Uh, Jessica season two, hard pass. Uh, I kind of like the Defenders. I, I, I watched a couple watch, of those. I then didn't watch that. Then the Punisher, which is a spinoff from Daredevil, came, yeah, and I it. was kind of forced to binge that with a friend. And uh, you know what? That wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. But there was one episode that was literally the Punisher and his sidekick, like just talking for an hour. And it was <laughs> as if they had just like, oh, what are we going to do for this episode? It's like if they really want to continue these shows, I think the Defenders was only eight episodes, uh, you know, and uh, they just need to cut them down. Yeah. Well, and the thing that kept me away from them at any length was the unmixed depressingness of them. Like I could see if one, like Jessica Jones was a depressing show because Jessica Jones is a depressed person or something. Right. Gotcha. But like they all are just kind of like, ugh. Like, I mean, yeah. not that they're badly made. It's just and not that things can't have any depressing aspect to it, but it was just so like I would like read ahead in like the episode like descriptions and I'd be like, well, maybe things will get more lively later. And it's just like and then their life goes more to hell more. Yeah, yeah Jessica like, Jones. Well, well, the, well, they, what's home. the guy? Uh, I mean, Jessica Jones was kind of uh, what was it? The Purple Man that the, the, the guy, David Tennant. David yeah, Tennant was on it. I mean, I actually saw part of that. That that was actually pretty good, but it was oh, pretty. Yeah, grim. but I mean, like it was. Pretty I, grim. I could give a pass to Jessica Jones for the first season because that sure. is the first arc from Alias, the comic that Jessica Jones comes from, and that that she is a person who's struggling with depression. That is her character, but I mean. All of their shows were depressing. All of them. 
So right. it wasn't like, oh, I'll skip Jessica Jones. Well, I mean, That's look, a depressing. Luke Cage, I mean, I mean, it was alternating between. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't find it depressing because he was, you know, Harlem's hero. <laughs> yeah, and well, he, and he like kicked it. and he kicked I, butt. But and I acting didn't was like pretty it. good. I didn't like it when they blew up face acts, you know, like but it was filmed to, like all these shows. First off, I don't like it when they're standing in Brooklyn and they say they're in Hell's Kitchen. OK, <laughs> and it's obviously that they're in Brooklyn. And it's like so. But then they'll film it on like, you know, my block or, East Village, you know, so Luke Cage's bars is Basex, the famous, uh, yeah. you know, East Village bar. And then they blew it up. Spoiler. And I'm sad. I yeah, well, that's sad. unfortunate. But, yeah, that's yeah, but right. I would I'm with Kate, though. I agree. I just think there was kind of this gloomy, life sucks aura. Well, they were noir. They were definitely noir-oriented. Yes, they were. Yeah, but... Oh, draggy. But But they were Debbie Downer, and then they were Debbie Draggy as well. That's what killed it for me. Yeah, you can only pull off noir if you're incredibly stylish and slickly moving. Like, if you let noir just sort of hang out, for long enough, it starts to puddle into murk as opposed to like snappy shadows and like, ooh, edginess, you know? But I'm going to tell you, though, I I don't think those descriptions really fit fit Luke Cage because really they had some lively plot lines, very dramatic, lots of action, unusual characters. I mean, they brought in, I mean, I, they, they really did bring the, they improved on the comics. I mean, they, oh, I forget the character's name, but the, uh, the West Indian with the, the thick Jamaican accent, um, that came in in one of the later seasons, uh, more recent seasons. He was a great character. And the fights he had with Luke Cage. Now, uh, some people were complaining about late plot turns where basically, Luke Cage became a kind of a crime kingpin, I'm told, because I didn't see those episodes. But, I mean, some of the more recent episodes I thought were really good. That's just me. Yeah. Well, but you know what? Maybe give it a, another check. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, this absolutely, this this Marvel deal with Netflix was one of the first yeah. big comic deals of the streaming shows of the streaming era. And, um, you know, Marvel productions, very Jeff Loeb, heavily involved in these shows. And, um, you know, they certainly have created, you know, a whole universe. I mean, they they definitely, there's quite a bit of it. I don't think we've seen the last of Luke Cage. I don't think so. I doubt it. I doubt it either. You know, Mike Calder, I mean, shout out to him. I mean, you are right about that, Calvin. He's good. I'm sorry. He's a very good hero. Yeah, I wish I, you know, but I just fall asleep. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I think you've got, yeah, anyway. All right. I see it movie though. So there's, uh, there is a disturbance of some of the other streaming uh, with that Crunchyroll. Yeah, what's up yeah. with Crunchyroll? Uh, so Crunchyroll's Kate? found itself. Oh wait, we're talking over each other, Calvin. Sorry. Oops. Uh, you want to say it? You're no, sure. I was just saying, what's up with Crunchyroll? Okay, so uh, Crunchyroll has lost their deal with Funimation, hmm. and Sony is taking their toys and going home. And so, and also, this is at the same time. Okay, so Crunchyroll's parent company has bundled Crunchyroll in also as part of like a larger streaming service so that people don't need to subscribe to 5 million things that they won't mm. called Verve. And Verve had Curiosity Stream, it had Nerdist, it had Funimation Channel, it had Crunchyroll, and it had Drama Fever, which was a service specifically for um, Asian dramas, like mm. Korean dramas and Chinese dramas and 
a few Japanese. I think dramas. it was wasn't it? Mo- I thought it was mostly Korean, but you might be. Well, more- it started out with Korean, but then they bought they bought right. heavily a lot of Chinese licenses as well. Okay. Um, and only a few Japanese because those are too expensive. But but you know, Drama Fever was around for like nine years, and it was part of Verve, and it was a very attractive part of Verve as part of why I decided to buy that package. And uh, Drama Fever has closed because. Netflix and Amazon are starting to like actually buy up K dramas and um, and uh, Chinese dramas, the American streaming rights. So it got too expensive and they had to close. Well, so that went off of Verve. That, that that's a little more complicated, but I'll get to that after you you t- uh, tell your part of the story, Kate, because there's more to it. But go on. Oh, I'm yeah. sure there's more to it. Yeah. But that's just as much as as officially was being as said right. that I could come yes. across. Right. I'm sure you know more than I do. Um, so already that had dropped out of Verve's streaming package because it just didn't exist anymore. And then Funimation took their toys back so they could take them back to Sony and stream them somewhere else was the impression I got. Um, so Crunchyroll has now taken High Dive under their wing on Verve. Which, I mean, I'm happy with because I like High Dive's, like, weirdo collection of anime. But it's definitely a blow to the parent company and also to Crunchyroll. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, you mentioned uh, Drama Fever. And uh, so, which was also, it was actually run by uh, the Warner Brothers, uh, the WB. And they shut it down uh also because they are you know with their new AT&T they announced that they were going to do their own their own streaming service and also or they you know there's rumors that they're going to do it and so they also shut down Super Deluxe which was a long running uh another long running kind of like portal website i mean, i would say it was kind of like the web version kind of a web sidekick to adult swim you know, it had a lot of comedy videos on there and stuff. And, you know, there's a little bit of comics content. Uh, but, you know, Super Deluxe got got the shut down as well. So there's a lot happening in the streaming world. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of uh, comings and goings. All right. Well, you know, more to come. <laughs> yeah, more to come on that. No doubt. Uh, but we're all going to keep streaming. Um, so finally, yeah. uh, this is a something that, um, you know, on a more lighter note, I guess. Uh, yes. As, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about how Venom was a surprise hit, the movie, real surprising, giving its quality. Um, Despite but, getting terrible reviews, terrible it uh, reviews. is selling like hotcakes. Yes. Well, and, and it spawned, Kate, you and I were actually talking about this off the air. And as, as you mentioned, it spawned the hot new ship. <laughs> yes. Heidi, Heidi was like, I got this text from Heidi that says something to the effect of, what's all this Eddie Venom stuff? And I told her in great detail. So yeah. as of... I thought uh, you great excitement as well, Kate. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, it, it fills me with glee. Yeah. I won't lie, listeners. It fills me with glee. Uh, at the time I spoke to Heidi, it was uh, 300 and something um, Eddie Brock slash Venom symbiote fix on uh, Archive of Our Own, uh, one of the biggest fan fiction websites in the world. That's six, That was like 300 something then. It's right. been less than a week. And uh, the number is up to 676 Eddie All Brock right. slash uh, Venom Symbiote. So it's basically known as Simbrock or Vetti, I believe. Is that correct? 
Simbrock seems to be winning out. Last week there had been some debate, um, but the Simbrock seems to be winning in the tags. I like Simbrock. I like saying it, it has it has more style. Yeah, Vetti okay. could be. It sounds like an Eddie Vetter, like a Pearl Jam cover band. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, yes. um, so yeah, but you know, I mean, this even crossed my extremely out of uh, you know out of touch radar on Twitter, and you know, I'm not a, into Tumblr, but I mean, I started seeing these pictures of uh, you know Venom and Eddie Brock and compromising positions, and you know, the movie <laughs> fueled this. Because there's and so piece, do the comics. Well, the comics have two, right? So, so this is kind of not a new thing because in the comics, Eddie and and so, and so Eddie Venom. Brock and Venom have a baby somehow. <laughs> well, okay, so basically, really? Venom is an alien symbiote, yes. and they're all they all reproduce asexually. So Venom reproduces asexually, I but. See. Venom is attached to Eddie. So so both of them together sort of have the baby, even though it's a baby symbiote. <laughs> okay. And it's it's framed in the comics like well, I hope they're they have having a baby. <laughs> and in the comics, Eddie regularly refers to this man-eating, alien, slime monster symbiote as love. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and then in, in the movie... Um, there's tiny spoilers here, tiny spoilers here, tiny spoilers here. At one point, um, Venom temporarily takes over the body of a woman who Eddie was at one point romantically involved with and kisses Eddie before going from her body into his as part of the kiss. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kinky. it's not like fans were just making this up out of crazy land. What's it's amazing <laughs> is that fans got so into it. It's more so it's Sim Kink is more than Sim, Sim Brock. Well, you know, there is there is a, a fandom site on Tumblr that rates uh, the, all sorts of different things based on the number of posts that are on some Tumblr, and and Sim Brock is number one with a bullet. I mean, it has passed. You it know, has, Kylo Ren everything. Up. It's past all the Voltron ships, everything, you know? Everything. Yeah. It's number yeah. one. And see, because there are, I can see why, because there are a bunch of different approaches. It's, it's got something for almost everyone, almost everyone. So you've got the, you've got the people who like sort of G-rated uh, fish out of water humor. We're like, ha ha, he's an alien. Yeah. He's a reporter. How will they live together in one body? Lols, will he eat the cat? Ha ha ha. <laughs> and then you have the people who are just really into gelatinous shapeshifters as the same people who probably liked Odo on Deep Space Nine a lot. Those people, they're having a great time. And then all the people who like, you know, body horror where they're like, ooh, you're being uh, taken over by an alien like you were in the movie. But this alien also has a thing for you. Kind of creepy. Ha ha ha. I like it. And then there are all the people who just weirdly like, like, like day in the life, cutesy poo domestic fluff between a man and his man eating alien symbiote. Oh, yeah, okay. cute are they? So cute. There <laughs> is a vid out there that some, that a couple actually very prominent fans made with a uh, cam rip footage to, uh, Love is all around the theme from Mary Tyler Moore. All right. Well, if you're a first-time listener to More to Come, welcome to our world.
Yeah, well, but I, I mean, I think this is really fat. You know, this, like we talk about so much about the bad things and the outrage and the controversy and the yeah. hate and all that. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is really This sweet. is the passion. This is a really sweet. I think it's actually really fun. Sweet. It, it is, is fun. fun. It is fun. And it's it hilarious. just shows how fandom, you know, so far it's benign. You know, I mean, maybe there'll be like, you know, hate groups saying that this should be or, you know, I'm not even going to go there. Let's just enjoy this for the moment. And enjoy that that this is a thing that people are, you know, are getting away. Well, I've heard some people. It's really kinky and weird. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is deeply perverted. But that's what. Well, it can be. It depends on which fic it is. (laughs) The one, if if it's just like, oh, oh, Eddie living with his wacky alien body roommate. That's (laughs) pretty curated. Oh, well, there you go. But, um. But, yeah, it's like hard. But I will say the thing I think is funny is some people have described, like, the reason uh, I don't remember who it is. Sorry, person on the internet who wrote it that I am not quoting you by name because I forget. Um, that part of what makes uh, Venom accidentally good is that they thought they were making a, a horror movie and a superhero horror movie, and they ended up making a superhero horror supernatural romance comedy. <laughs> well, you know, I'll say this. I mean, I'm not as into Simbrock as I am into Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's ongoing. But uh, you know, he Probably did a great, right, and he did a fantastic job in the movie. I don't know what movie he was making. He was making his own very special movie in his own head, and the rest of the movie kind of just um, you well, know flows around that, you know, and uh, so, I mean, I'm, that's definitely, I mean, you know, that's, uh, you know, if Sebastian Stan hadn't been so awesome as Bucky, I don't think we'd have Stucky quite as popular as it is. And, you know, casting has a lot to do with this. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Tom Hardy held up his end of the bargain. And, um, you know, there's... Okay. <laughs> but I, do I don't have I don't have much I don't have anything to add to this. So you okay, guys go for it. Okay, here's the other thing I'm going to add is that like people talk about oh fans where do they get this oh fans where do they get this but like when you look at some of the Marvel comics like you just know the people creating this were just like getting in the laugh of ha they're like a couple ha little did they know right what they would reap from what they sowed the fans right. have run with it that's what well sure. it'll be very fans just went with it fans were like okay well it'll be Let's very it. interesting to see how all this plays out in the sequel because yeah. it really was a surprise hit you know yeah, no, i think Tony yeah. had his fingers crossed and then they they actually re-edited a lot of it to make it more humorous casey you're 100 correct on that uh you know uh so it didn't turn out the way anybody expected and uh, we'll see how this fandom, uh, you know, if it thrives, which I suspect it will, because I just know how this goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we, will, we haven't seen the last of Simbrock. Yeah. <laughs> and not. what makes this extra funny is that the the other fandom for Venom, who I don't know if they will be happy with this movie or not. I really, I really don't know these people well, are like the guys who feel that they're very macho and that their choice in superhero shows how macho they are. Oh, God. You know, I might have mentioned this in the previous podcast, but I'll say it again just in case. It's like at New York Comic Con, one of the longest lines I saw was for Todd McFarlane, who created Venom, co-created mm-hmm. him, certainly created the visuals that, you know, to be fair, were used to the movie. They're very, mm-hmm. you know, powerful, long-lasting, mm-hmm. very durable. 
Uh, and I, the line was notable to me because it was mostly guys, which is unusual now at Comic Cons. And well, a lot of them, right? And a lot of them were wearing military gear. <laughs> okay. And I bet most of them were not military. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's a different fandom. But you know, there'll be more to come on that. So. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think we're running out of time here. I think uh, we are. Folks. Yeah. Well, see, we found we we found a lot to talk about, you guys. Yeah. Hey, can I just throw one about. last thing in very quickly? Uh, that the, the first um, Lumberjanes original graphic novel um, is was published this month. Uh, it's called Lumberjanes: The Infernal Compass, written by Lila Sturgis, with art by Polterink. Uh It's the first original graphic novel. All the other volumes have been collected. Uh, obviously, it's a great series. Uh, really turned into an amazing franchise. There's a film coming, so LGBTQ friendly, uh, delightful series. There's even a prose series. So, you know, soul work quality comics are sold. It, it's right. it's just a really fun, quirky, large pile of of teen and preteen girls having a good time in the woods together kind of yeah. comic yeah. with yeah. monsters, of course. Yes, with, yes. Everybody loves the woods. Um, you know, I'm going to throw in a plug, too. Um, you know, they, the, there's a website called Women Write About Comics that has a lot of women writing about comics. Sounds good. Interestingly, women of color, trans women, all Sounds kinds fabulous. of women. And it's honestly, I've loved this site. It's had some of the best writing about comics for the last four or five years. Oh, this is cool. So they have, a, they have a Patreon going on now, and uh, it's n- not, uh, you know, it's just getting started. But, uh, you know, come on, people. Yeah. You know, put your money where your mouth is. I see people uh, talking all the time about we must defeat the comics haters, you know. So let's uh, enable the people yeah, who are not here. Yeah, pony up, people. Come on. So if you go on uh, Patreon uh, slash WWAC, you will find the campaign. So, yeah, but I, I love that site. Uh, you know what? I'm going to pledge right as soon as we get off the air. Cool. All right. Well, uh, you know, lots of lots of topics Maybe not a gigantic topic, but lots of interesting topics, because this, uh, this field that we write about is always something new going on. Yeah, and also we love to talk. So, yeah. Yes, that doesn't hurt either. Uh, yeah, well. News at 11, podcasters enjoy talking. Yeah. All right, well, you guys, uh, maybe next time we'll all be in the same room. So right. until next time, there will be more to come. <laughs>